Hey everybody, welcome back to Beers and Careers. I'm your host, Mark Gustinelli. And as always, Beers and Careers is brought to you by the Davis Companies, www.daviscos.com. That's D-A-V-I-S-C-O-S.com. Um, tough job market out there. And if you are looking to bring on some talent, engineering, IT, manufacturing, reach out to the good folks at Davis. Uh, today's guest is Jason Moss. First podcast recorded on the road with all the equipment. Jason was the man. We were down in Georgia together. He's from Georgia, and I, I was down there um, visiting our office down there, and he came in, and we recorded this podcast, which was awesome. He shares his journey of kind of knowing what he wanted to be early on and then figuring out, hey, this isn't for me, and how he's parlayed his experience into creating quite a quite a force in Georgia. He's, he's the CEO of the Georgia Manufacturing Alliance, and he gets into that. It's a pretty deep conversation, but um, where we get into kind of some of the origin stories of to why he did certain things. But I think what's also awesome is he shares how he pivoted during COVID to keep the engagement in his, uh, in his alliance alive. And it's a phenomenal story. Um, loved talking to Jason. I think you're going to love this podcast. Check it out. Uh, thank you for coming on, Jason Moss. Yes. Uh, the Man. Georgia Manufacturing Alliance. Yeah, I am happy to be here. Yeah, well, we're, we're pumped to have you on because uh, you've been a wonderful partner for us in Atlanta. Mm-hmm. But today's about you, my man. Well, I tell you, it's it's about teamwork. You know, that's a that's a big piece. Yes, yes. Well, I mean, can you give people first who don't know you, maybe um, just how you got to where you are today and what Georgia Manufacturing Alliance is? Okay. Well, it started way back in kindergarten. <laughs> Actually, I'm I'm joking a little bit about that, but seriously, when I was in first grade, I went to McDonough Elementary School, okay. and they took us for a tour of the Ford Motor Company factory mm. down in Hateful. And I saw them roll in steel and roll out cars. And I was just fascinated. I was like, man, this is cool. And that was my last connection to manufacturing for many, many years. Um, I went to the Air Force. I loaded bombs on F-16s during Desert Storm. Mm-hmm. was probably not the best career move in the world because there wasn't a lot of demand for that mm-hmm. when I got out of the Air Force. Right. But I learned a lot, you know, and, and, and got to see some of the world. And it was a fun time. But uh, I ended up getting into software. Okay. Uh, actually doing CAD work. I was started out on AutoCAD drafting. Yes. And found out I was pretty good at it. I got paid pretty well. I was outperforming the guys I was working with like eight or ten to one because I took it on as a competition. I tried to yes. figure out how to be smarter about it rather than just drawing lines and arcs and circles, right? So I got involved and uh, took every class that Gwinnett Tech offered and then started teaching out there. Mm. And I fell in love with that, you know, crowd environment and being in front of the room. That was that was kind of fun. And it was took a little while. I ended up getting into software sales because oh I figured out that I had a little too much gypsy in my blood to sit behind a drafting board all day. Right. And I needed to get out and yeah. be around people. Mm-hmm. And got into software sales, sold AutoCAD and ended up getting into SolidWorks sales. And I had gotten into I found that, that SolidWorks sales was fun because you were creating 3D parts, and that kind of got me back into the manufacturing space. And I took a couple plant tours and fired that, that, that desire back up. And then I took about a seven-year break from software sales and got into network marketing, multi-level mm-hmm. stuff. Okay. So all of us have been invited to that, that awkward phone yes, call from yes. a friend. They want you to come over and have dinner and talk about something that they won't tell you what it's about. Well, right. that's what it was about. Um, but I spent seven years doing that. It was relatively successful in network marketing. I built an organization of about 4,500 people nationwide. I'd be the guy that come in and do the weekend seminars and stuff. Yeah. My wife 
hated it. I mean, absolutely hated it. And she's like, people will pay you to come up and talk all day? And I'm like, absolutely. She said, I'd pay you to sit up, and sit down and shut up all weekend. <laughs> I'm like, well, they pay me more, so I'm going to go do that. Uh, but I, I learned how to build groups and host events and that mm. kind of thing. And I learned the power of business-to-business networking, mm. right? It was really cool. And when that company went away, I got my T-shirt. Yeah. I'll never do another one of those again. Thank yeah. you. So I'm, I'm yes. unrecordable. Right. I learned some things. I'm thankful for the lessons. But... I was able to apply those lessons, and I, when I got back into software sales, I needed to do something pretty quick. Mm. I mean, I was, mm. <laughs> there was an urgent need for me to... Yeah, for capital. <laughs> right, right, make things work again. <laughs> so we got the opportunity to get back into software sales, and I was looking for a networking group for manufacturing companies, and man, there just wasn't anything out there. You mm. know, I mean, there, was, there were associations like Society of Manufacturing Engineers and Apex and yes. uh, SHRM, right? They're associations, but they're really siloed, mm-hmm. siloed in departments inside of companies. But there was nothing that really overarching was beneficial to manufacturers. Right. So I was like, well, you know, I, I had seen some stuff that worked in networking and a lot of stuff that didn't. I'm like, heck, I'll just start my own. So February of 08, we kicked off the first meeting. February of 08, wow. Right, so think about the economy. Yes. And what the... Couldn't have been in a tougher spot. Beautiful time. Well, every time I say that, timing-wise, people say that. And you look back on it. I think this was a blessed thing. Honestly, mm. I do. I look back and I was like, I couldn't have picked a better location or a better time to do what we're doing. If I, if I would have been able to draw it out and lay it out on a business plan, there's no way that I would have been able to come up with that. Mm. Because... What happened was most manufacturers had never had to go get in front of a room and say what they do. Right. Machine shops and that kind of thing. I mean, I got guys that were, you know, they knew that if they were going to stay in business, they had to start marketing, and they had never had to do that before. Right. Used to, if you had a, a machine shop and a telephone, if you had a mill and a lathe, you got all the work right. you could do. People calling you off the hook, right? Phone and now, the hook. Yeah. with the economy doing wow. what it was doing, they had to do something different. So they came to us, and we were like... We got. How can we do this? So I gathered these guys up, sixteen guys in the room, first time. It was really weird though because actually it's just right across the way in a in a, a conference room, just okay. right down the road from here. And there, these sixteen guys were in the room, and most all of them were machine shop owners. Okay. Because that was one of the areas that I was servicing. Yes. Machine shop owners. They were hungry, and they knew most of each other in the room. They knew each other's name and had everybody announce who they were and what they did. And dude, as everybody went around the room, the tension in the room got thick. Yeah, everybody was competing like, for business. Everybody was in here. Why am I in here with my competition? Right. Whoa. And so I was like, Wait a way to kick it off. <laughs> it was the tension was so thick you could cut it with a knife. So I did, and I sliced up a few pieces and just passed it out. I was oh, like, awesome. Guys, we're gonna talk about this. Let me explain. We're gonna talk about the elephant in the room. Mm-hmm. Most of you know of each other, but you don't know each other. Mm-hmm. I said, who in the room has got exactly the same equipment? And they looked around, and they kind of know right. who's got what. Yeah, Nobody. I said, even if you did, who, has got, who in the room has got exactly the same experience and knowledge base? Nobody. Right. I said, I don't know where we're going, but it could get interesting. And if it does, who in here often has more work than they can do? Everybody raised their hand. I said, who in here occasionally needs a little something to fill in some dead space? Mm. Everybody. I said, if you'll trust me and you'll believe in this idea that we can work together in community instead of competition, 
I believe that all of us will be able to, we'll be able to, as a group, take on bigger projects than any one of us would have been able to take on alone and support each other through these tough times ahead. Mm. And fortunately, they did. They bought into the idea. Very it cool. did take several more beers and quite a few more pizzas. Yes. You know, but yeah, it, over time. it built that community and that was the kickoff of it. And I was like, this is a neat time. Now, the interesting thing about today is the vibe and the indicators that I saw back in early 2008. Mm. You know, I was, again, I was selling yeah. optional software to manufacturing companies right. in 2007. Mm -hmm. And I saw the writing on the wall. Yeah. What was going on? We're seeing a lot of those same trends going on right now because companies are pulling back. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's it's getting to be interesting. I'm sure in yes. the staffing space, yes. you're getting a little different vibe than you were six months ago. For, for sure. So for we sure. need to make sure that uh, Harvey McKay wrote a book, and, and I'm going to be, actually, I've got it. Uh, been invited to speak at a uh, conference coming up in a couple of weeks, okay. and I want to use that sort of as the foundation. But the book is Dig Your Well Before You're Thirsty. Mm. And that's what we got to do. That's what we really need to focus on as business leaders is to make sure that we have the opportunity to build our community, build it solid with people that we know, like, and trust before we need it. Right? I mean, it makes so much sense. And now's the time. I mean, networking and community, right now is the time to do it before you have to have it. Because if you have to have it and you don't have it, mm -hmm. it's too late. Yes. You need to build those relationships and build that alliances. And that's why it's an alliance, not an association. Mm -hmm. The other thing that makes us different is I looked around and I was like, so, why are all the associations called associations and why are they all nonprofits? Well, most of them have an educational certification that you have to do and you have to go every month or once a year, get so right. many hours or whatever Continuing for credit. education credits. Right. That we all know and love. And then the other side is either associations are either for, um, they're really designed for the uh, education piece or the um, lobbying. Political right. side. Yes. Well, I'm not a political dude. I do have an opinion. <laughs> I don't play well yeah. in the sandbox, so I'm gonna keep it to myself. Right. right. <laughs> and I, I got a really, really great uh, mentor that told me he's like, you know, once you pick a horse, you got to be able to ride it right, right. forever. Right. And you've pissed off half the people that you could be serving. So I decided early on that we weren't gonna do politics, mm -hmm. and there was no sense in us doing a certification because our membership is so broad. Because in some companies. We've got members that are engineers. Right. In some companies, it's the CEO. In some companies, it's, you know, in, in the shipping department. Mm -hmm. And so it's a mix of different people. So there's not an educational program that would serve all of those that would make sense. Mm -hmm. So we decided we won't do any of that. And as we were, look, as we were setting things up, I said, well, do, do, does it have to be a nonprofit? And I went to several attorneys and several accountants and said, is there a law out there? Because everybody is. Is there yeah. a law that associations got to be a nonprofit? And they're like, no, it's just an option. Mm -hmm. I don't know about you, but I've never paid a member annual membership for the wonderful tax deduction that I get from it. Right. 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 So sure. we decided we just run it like a traditional business. So we're an S Corp mm -hmm. and it changes the dynamic that we don't have an agenda other than helping to support the community. There's no agenda, mm -hmm. especially no political agenda. And there's the good and bad part about it is there's no leverage to keep people coming back every month or every quarter to get the education. Right. Either we got to put on a great show. You need value. We got to add value through yeah. a community like nobody else out there. 
Mm-hmm. And it's good and bad. I mean, there's there's no compelling hook that's got you got to come back to get this to keep your designation or whatever. Mm-hmm. So um, we have to perform and have to perform in a big way every time and add value and build that community. And we have to do it in a little different way. Mm-hmm. And it's fun. I mean, it's it's um, I kind of joke that I'm a professional coffee drinker. All I do is go around and drink coffee all day at different places and make connections. And that's that's kind of, you know, that's pretty fun. That is fun. That's really fun. So you really have parlayed your uh, technical skills, but like also sales, like just general sales acumen. I'm sorry, that's the bucket I'm going to throw sure, out. Sure. And then um, combine that with your passion for manufacturing and this was kind of the brainchild yeah your invention is really um, you know what do they say invention is the mother of necessity yeah, yeah right? necessity. like yeah. It's, yeah. that's what Somebody you did right you're like yeah. why are there no groups together right and I'm gonna do this, this that is a uh, that's really cool and inspiring because I've obviously been to some Georgia Manufacturing Alliance events but mm-hmm. you know and and uh, we kind of clicked when we met I was like yep. oh, I really like this yeah. guy but I had no idea about like the nuances of it and the creation of it so from those 16 original f- members mm-hmm. how strong are, how strong is the population yeah now? so um, I'll tell you where it was and where yeah. it is today yeah. right yeah. so we've yeah, all had, right. we've all had right. these little adjustments and, and some of the stuff True. that we're doing uh, we had gotten uh, I, I know you, you talk occasionally on, on interviews about what your favorite books are one of, yes. one of my yes. favorite books yes is Rocket Fuel Okay. And Rocket Fuel talks about the two different mindsets. You know, there's visionary and integrator. You got to have those for it to make work. And um, um, I had a sponsor one time. We were sitting down talking, and we were talking about a pretty significant sponsorship in yes. GMA. Yes. And he said, "Tell me about what you're doing. Tell me about your plans." And so I just rattled it off. I was having a good time because he was eating it up. He's like, yeah. "Man, that is cool. He's just digging in, right?" And for about 20 minutes, we talked about the things that we were doing and some of the stuff that could have benefited them. And he said, okay, before we do anything else, you need to read this book, Rocket Fuel. Mm. And he's a really well-respected guy in the community, well-known Rocket Fuel. Rocket Fuel. It, is, it is a rock-solid book. And he said, um, you need to read this book, Rocket Fuel. He said, I think you're one of the most visionary people I've ever met. And I was That's like, quite a compliment. Well, it kind of. But to me, it was kind of a back, backhanded slap because the way that I, I connected to visionary was it's just you're just a dreamer, not an executioner. Right, right, yeah. right, right, right. And so it didn't land well for me. And he saw that in my eyes. He was like, hmm. And then he's like, no, Jason, that's a good thing. Yeah. Read the book and we'll talk about it. Yeah. He said, you're going to get a sponsorship. Don't worry about it. We're all good with that. But you need to read this so you can understand where I'm coming from. Mm. He said, absolutely. So I think in, in business like this, he said, you're the most visionary person I've ever met because of what we've done. Because we have a, had a track record of accomplishing everything mm. we put on. If we put it on the table, That's what I was if we put it on the ball, we're going we're to get it done. I was almost surprised by your reaction because yeah. all you had done in your previous career then is execute. Right. And it's terminology. Right. Yeah, and so true. we got to be sensitive true. to the way that people take things. True. That's why I like doing live events. Telephone calls, man, yeah. they're tough because mm-hmm. you can't read the crowd. Yes. Right? And even, and even Zoom. Worse than texting now. Oh. Email is the worst, right? Yeah, now. that's horrible. Yeah. So I'm a live events guy. Yeah. Right? And so pre COVID, we were doing about 120 live events a year. That's a ton. That is a ton. Now we had, I grew it from just, you know, just idea to we had four full-time staff, 1,200 square foot office. We were expecting to have about a thousand people at our conference mm-hmm. in 2020. 
Um, and then we had a little bit of a change. We had your, the question that you had asked was, yes. where had we grown to? Yeah. We had grown to about 350 company members okay. that represented about 180,000 employees across the state of Georgia. Wow. So we had a pretty good reach. Yes. You know? um, now, since then, we're, we're down to a little over 200 okay. due to COVID. Yeah. But most of the people, I mean, we only lost like five or six manufacturers. Mm -hmm. Everybody that dropped were service companies that were doing it just for leverage for their marketing. Uh, right, so they yeah, had it in yeah. the marketing budget. But the people that stuck with us were the manufacturers. And we needed to, we needed to adjust that ratio anyway. It got adjusted no, for us, and we're yeah. thankful for it. We're actually not even taking on service companies now. Ah. We, we we said we're gonna we will we will allow you to come in at the service member level, which is a lot significantly higher than the manufacturers. Right. If you bring two manufacturing companies with you, right, to keep the balance right, mm. and we got some people that are stepping up to do that. They're like, brilliant. We're not gonna we're not gonna give this new customer of ours um, as a manufacturer instead of Cutco Nice. We're gonna give them a GMA membership yeah. for the year. Yeah, right. So it's well, a win uh, for everybody. Uh, Everybody's right. able to get engaged. Right. Mm. So that, cool. that has been really neat to, to make that make that change. So we're uh, about two and a quarter right now. Okay. Um, and we're all over the state. Do you know how many, how many, well you definitely probably do, but how many manufacturing employees are there in all of Georgia? Depends on which yeah. day you ask and which yeah. department of the government you ask. But <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> uh, so we, we, we got around 10,000 around, and again, because um, I, I just went through these numbers recently, but around, uh, around 10,000 manufacturing facilities okay. in the state of Georgia. And the number of employees in manufacturing, again, ranges from 380,000 to about 440. Okay. I think we're more around a 375, 380. Yeah. Um, but, but it accounts for about 10% of Georgia's economy. Well, 9.8 is wow. the number wow. of Georgia's economy. And that's booming, man. And, yes. and, and think about that. We've got over 100 members, but 100 members, and you got 10,000 manufacturing facilities. we got a long way to go. Yes. And this has been really built strictly off of word of mouth. Mm -hmm. I mean, it was a handful of machine shops and a couple of manufacturing companies that we kicked it off. And we've just been gradually growing. We've not done mm -hmm. any um, significant growth because, well, yeah. as we were going through the growth curve, I couldn't take on any more. And I was, we were, we were in the process of scaling the business mm -hmm. when COVID, I mean, and thankfully it showed up when it did because we were, we were actively recruiting to get more people out in the field doing what I was doing because mm -hmm. I mean, even when you love doing it, doing 120 events a year is a lot. That is, that is a lot. I mean, you know, it's so interesting. Have you thought about the model for other states? We have. Yeah. Um, uh, kind of the foundation, I've thought about using a couple of different tools, uh, people that call on the manufacturing arena. Yeah. Um, I mean, I had thought this maybe running it through a software like SolidWorks, yeah. so, you know, a, uh, a channel that's already serving that space. Mm. But it takes... It could be done, it's just different. Yeah. It takes a lot of work on the back end. So we're looking at maybe trying to set up a franchise piece. Yes. Because you gotta find the right person with the right drive. Because it is, I mean, it- It's it a hustle a, sport, right? Yeah. You're hustling and you're, um, it also, I, I think that it might not work if you didn't have the same passion you have for your community. Oh yeah. You know, you're not in it. You can tell you're not in it just to- Right feed yourself you know like you love what you're doing yeah. from from the combination of your skill set with your love right. of manufacturing so i will admit when i max and uh, andrea were telling me about it mm -hmm. when i found out about it, looking at the website and stuff and the first thing i said to andrea was why don't we have anything like this in massachusetts right um which is now i get why yeah it's hard 
Oh, it's, it's yeah. really hard. Oh, we've had several it. people that have shown up over the years that are like, oh, Jason's getting paid to have people drink coffee and speak to each other. Yes. I'm like, well, just go get you a belly full of that. Let me know how that turns right. out. Because, right. Because they find out what it takes to put an event together. Yes. Most people have never done it. Most people have never printed a name badge, right? Mm-hmm. And all the bits and pieces, you know, they try it for... I've, you know, over the years, like I said, I've had a couple that have shown up, tried to copy the plan, and went out and got it and just handed to them. And I'm like, if there's plenty out there. There's no way that I can serve everybody today right, anyway. Right. But nobody has, has been able to to put the pieces together. Because there's a lot of blood, sweat, and tears that goes into it. But you mentioned the passion. That's yeah. the, If you don't have the love for community and trying to figure out a way to get back. I mean, we talked yeah. kind of pre-show a little bit, loading bombs on F-16s. Yeah. There wasn't a lot of demand for that on the outside, but there was a passion for me to be able to try to figure out a way to give back to the community. Mm. I mean, I'm thankful that we live in the, you know, in a free country to yes. be able to do whatever we want to do. Yes. Um, but the one thing that I do know is change is certain, mm-hmm. but the opportunity for growth is optional. Yes. That's one of the things John Maxwell said. I like John Maxwell. And Maxwell's on it, man. He is. And so, but but we all have to face change. My son's 25. He's getting married in November. Mm -hmm. Just graduated this past year, man. He's, you know, he spent, took a little longer than he wanted to, but he was doing a lot of deer hunting and girl chasing. Okay, yeah. But that's okay. (laughs) Yeah. But, um, but we were in the heat of this thing in 2019. I mean, numbers were just going Mm -hmm. nuts. I took my wife to Italy for nine days and had a 50th birthday party that was to beat the man. I mean, I rented yeah. his house at like slept 30 people, awesome. 20 acres on the lake and just had a freaking ball. And we were living it up, you know, yeah. having, having a good time. I mean, it was like, it was rocking Wesley's, why don't we do this and this and this, planning on spending money that we didn't yet have. Yeah. And I'm like, guaranteed, and I had a conversation with him and my wife at the same time. I said, I don't know what it is and we need to enjoy this while we can, but you know, Life is going to change. Something's going to change. It's not going to be like mm. this forever. It might mm. get way better or it might not. I don't know, but I do know that I'm smart enough to know that things in life change. Build your well. Right. Dig your well before you need it. Right? Dig your well, yeah. And, and, and my wife is convinced to this day that I was the cause of the coronavirus. <laughs> she was like, because you said that out loud, oh my God. this worldwide pandemic. Probably come up with some good names for you, Mr. Moss. I'm like, I swear I did not cause the worldwide pandemic. That is but, um, but to look back on it is really, you know, I mean, and, and having that conservative nature. Mm-hmm. And, I, you know, I mean, and, and you know, Type I personalities yes. are not yes. traditionally conservative in nature, but you know you learn the lessons through life, and mm-hmm. you know, and I know that this show talks a, a lot to the emerging leaders, folks yes. that are coming out of school, getting into the career world. Um, you know, a couple books that I'd recommend. Yeah, please, is, I'd love. To, is, I'd love to, you've already listed yeah, a couple awesome. Yeah, books. My, my favorite one, second to the Bible, is Jim Rohn's Seasons of Life. Okay, and that's philosophy kind of a little bit don't don't be turned off by my characterization yeah. it's a really really quick read Jim Rohn R-O-H-N Seasons of Life like I said Save the Bible my favorite book of all time because it really helps you wrap your brain around where you're at in life your career your family your, you know your spiritual life all the bits and pieces and understand that you go through seasons you know yes. you go through this emerging you know, you qualify it so the springtime and then the summer. In mm. the springtime, you get a plant. Yes. You can't stand in, in, yes. on top of the ground and look at the ground and say, and give, me, yeah, yeah. Yeah, give, me feet, give me food. Mm-hmm. You got to plant seeds. Mm-hmm. You got to do that in the springtime. 
And then yeah. you got you got to tend them during the summertime, and then you got the harvest in the fall. Mm. And in the winter, you're reaping the rewards of what you did in the spring. Right. Right. And if you and don't do that, planning. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, I like it's that. It's a chance to rest, and you know, and, and when I first read it, it was okay. Well, where am I at? How do I I, I put all of me in one season? Well, mm. that's not the case because you're in different seasons of your life in different parts of it. Right? Yes. So you might be professionally. In the right. summertime, yes. harvesting the seeds, but you're in the springtime, maybe in a relationship, mm-hmm. right? So you get may may have a have a uh, a new person that you're getting involved with. You're in the springtime of right. a relationship and how to build those things, right? And that's going to take a dedicated effort of different types of uh, things that you're doing on a daily basis exactly. to get to the next season, yeah. if you will, yeah. or to make the next season worthwhile. It's probably mm-hmm. a better way of saying. Yeah, because you don't want to be hungry in the winter. I I actually right. can't wait to read that book that because. Um, it's one of my favorite things about growing up in Boston. Mm-hmm. It's like one thing that's been hard to like consider living somewhere else is I do hate some of the seasons at some of the time. But you always like reflect on it and be like, man, that was good for me. Right. Because, you know, and it almost will force you. Mm-hmm. You know, like for us in the winter, there's really nothing you can do in the outside of your house. Yeah, but chill. So it's a lot of good <laughs> You're right. right. I mean, we ski. I, I, I don't mean it in terms of like recreation, but, you know. I'm not working on my deck. Right. And I'm certainly not doing landscaping, mm-hmm. like when I'm thinking about where I live, but I am working on the inside of my house, spending more time with my family in a close, confined space. Like, and then, and then the springtime, it's like, you know, and also uh, wintertime, great time to work yeah. in Boston. It's dark. Right. Might yeah. Well, yeah. Might as well work. <laughs> but I really, I can't wait to read that. Any other books that you would um, share with some? Yeah, so Seasons of Life is. Again, that's that's top of the list. The next would be rocket fuel, mm-hmm. and that what that does is helps you understand the different types of personality um, that there are on the planet. There's there's visionaries and there's integrators. Yeah. So the visionaries are people that are just wired for that. And um, so I read this is the the, the book that that guy recommended. Mm-hmm. That I read. I went home and read it. Next weekend, my wife and I were driving down to Waycross, five hour ride. I had her. Read, I said, "You got to read this book. You you just absolutely have to read this book." And about halfway through the trip she was just laughing her butt off at some of the stuff that was in the book because it talks about the different personality types and the things that really make them up Mm -hmm. and that they're not yeah I mean how can I put this that I wasn't doing things to torment my wife yeah it's just how I'm wired and there's no way that she can see the things the way that I see them and I can't see the way that things that the way that she sees them Mm -hmm. so and in any business you got to have the yin and the yang. Yes. You've got to have the visionary to cast the vision and to keep people motivated and excited. And but you got also got to have the integrators. You got to have the people to do the do. Yeah. You know, you got to have the folks do the stuff. Mm-hmm. Now I tell you one thing. I mean, I'm every time I walk into a factory and I see Johnny running that drill press. He's been running that drill press for forty years, standing at one spot. I praise the Lord that Johnny is on the planet yeah. because there's no way that I am wired. I, I can't do that. That's yeah. just not for me. But he. Has made a wonderful life out of that. He's, you know, put three kids through college and right. coaches little league at three thirty or four o'clock in the afternoon, and mm-hmm. he lives his life and does what he does and gets, re- you know, rewards from different ways. Right. I'm just not wired for that. Yeah, I can't see the way that he sees it, and he can't see the way that I live my life. 
to wake up every day unemployed. Yeah. We try to figure out how we're going to make an impact on the world. And I mean, it's a different. It's a very different. It's a different mindset. Mentality, and yeah. So Candy was just laughing at some of the stuff that's in there. And when you, if you, as you read the book, you will say, "Oh, that's where she was." Yeah. Yeah. Because because <laughs> either you're wired like that, or you're not. But they had this little online test. You take a little test, basically a twenty test, twenty question test, and it. Spit There's out. two of them, and it gives you a little ranking on both, ah. on what percentage integrator and what percentage visionary you are. I like that. And people, a lot of people aspire to be visionaries if they're even if they're not, because it sounds sexy and cool. Yeah, well, Steve Jobs, right? Right. I mean, he right. made it cool, right? And, and, and that's cool on the what? surface, but they don't understand the torment and the torture that Correct. visionaries go through not being able to see to fruition the things that they want to do or not being able to concentrate for more than 30 seconds. Yes. I mean, we are very, I mean, most, you know, most visionaries, you know, are ADD, you know, mm-hmm. off the chart ADD and patience is not typically a strong suit. How, how did you handle though, like the days of, because I think there's going to be people listening to this podcast, they're like, I'm ADD. Absolutely. And, 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 and I, that really resonates with me. But at the same time, uh, when you were younger, you were loading bonds on planes, mm-hmm. and then you were selling software. I mean, some jobs that were um, closer to the drill press right. analogy than right. to what you do today. Like, can you talk about? Do you re- yeah. do you ever reflect yeah. on yeah. how you got through that? Um, Not yeah. got through. Yeah, it, yeah. I don't look no, at it. No, but like there negative. is there is some of that. Yeah, there is okay. some of that. I mean, I knew that I had to earn my stripes. Yeah. So when I, when I got out of high school, um, I chose to go in the Air Force instead yes. of going to college. And, and again, I got the opportunity to load bombs on F-16s yeah. during Desert Storm. Yeah. Right? And that was an interesting time in life. For sure. And I made an agreement with the government that I would give them four years of my time. Right. And fortunately, they had the same amount of planes that they started with as they ended with, with mm-hmm. me. And yes. that was a win yeah. for me. And I knew that that wasn't a lifetime. That wanted I wanted to be able to experience the world in a little bit different way. Mm-hmm. And it gave me the chance to do that. And it was worth the trade. I see. I'm thankful for because I'm, I'm you know there's no way that I could be who I am today had it not been for the experience of basic training mm-hmm. and the regimented and it didn't it didn't poison me against it but it clarified for me that um, that to my core I'm unemployable I uh, right you I mean that's yeah. just but I will do it because I got married right as I was getting out of right. service and uh, now my wife like many of them I've been told like stability and security. 100%. 100%. <laughs> they want yeah. a regular job with a, right. a, a regular paycheck and regular benefits and all of that stuff. And I did that for a while because I needed to learn yeah. you know, what I was willing to do, have a child, do all that stuff. And But I knew that it was in me um, when I was going through school before I went to the military. I was, I was excited about being a mechanic. Mm-hmm. I was pretty good with my hands. I was doing the front ends and brakes during high school. Had had an opportunity to buy a shop up in Tacoma, oh. and at uh, eighteen years old, yeah, it was like that's pretty hitting it, right? Yeah. And my mom said, "There's more in you than being a mechanic," mm. and that really it it deflated me to a certain degree, but challenged me at the same time. Yeah, and I I have gone I've been on a search trying to figure out what that more in me mm-hmm. was, and I found it. You know, when you find your passion, when you find the opportunity to do things that you love to do, yes, you know, yes, um, you're in the sweet spot. Yeah, when you're in a groove, man, it is. There's nothing it's better. Unstoppable. But you have to be willing to pay your dues. You yes. can't show up expecting to get the corner office with the mahogany furniture. Mm-hmm. It doesn't work like that. You got my kids, my son, 25 years old, yeah. he's like, you know, I'd love to be able to 
come run a business. I'm like, well, right. why don't you just run this one for a little while? And I sat him in my chair. He worked with me for most of the way through college. Mm. And I had him do all the books in GMA. Yeah. I had him do all the, anytime we had an HR issue, I'm like, how would you handle it? I said, I'm like, you're sitting in the seat, you make the decisions. Right. Let's go through this scenario. Right. And it gave him the opportunity to see, he's like, man, that's the owner of the business stuff sucks. I'm like, yeah, there's parts of it that's yeah. not fun. Right. Right. I mean, cashing the check's great, but right. the reality is, is there's a lot of responsibility and a lot of impact that you're having on the lives of the people that serve with you. Mm-hmm. Right. I feel, I feel like too, through that period of, um, paying your dues you learn so much more about yourself that clarifies what you should be doing right. like you it's interesting talking to you I'm guessing you're over 50 because mm-hmm. you just shared yep. you just had their 50th birthday but like you've clearly reflected on like this I learned I love networking this I love you know I learned yeah. I love public speaking and I think that when you hear someone talk like that and I was fortunate enough to have folks talking to me like that, mm-hmm. like your mother did to you yep. kind of thing, you, you do get the sense of like, okay, well, for them to... See something in me I don't see. And to summarize a period of their life so succinctly, when in reality, you did a lot more selling software yep. than just realizing you love networking. Right. right? I mean, that, right. Like, that was not... Right. If you look at the resume of mm-hmm. Jason Moss, no one, <laughs> no one goes, man, he learned networking and his love right. of talking in front of people there. Right. But that's your experience from it. Mm-hmm. And I think... Often that's never reflected on a resume. Right. Never reflected in good job interviews. I think it comes out. Sure. Not always, but right. but in good job interviews it comes out. And I think that's why people get so tight on. I need to do this to build my credential to that. And it's like only in certain maybe doctors, right, right? and lawyers. Right. But for the rest of us, we need to make sure we're testing. I think the limits of what makes us comfortable. Yeah. Where we like to be and what our skill sets are that then you can be like okay I can parlay this into this right right and sometimes it's monetary and sometimes yeah. it's not so as my son as we're you know my son was growing up he'd hang out with me we'd do events and stuff and you know he got to hang out with a bunch of engineers pretty successful engineers yeah. we'd go around go to their house and hang out with them he was like man I really like their lifestyle as compared to ours at the time but yeah. he was like yeah. I like I like what I see here so yeah. I'm going to be an engineer mm-hmm. I'm going to be an engineer so he went down this whole path I'm going to be an engineer and he got to ninth grade math, and he was like, math sucks. I hate math. I'm like, so this little thing about being an engineer might not be your trick. <laughs> so, so we spent the next four years trying to find stuff that he didn't like to do. I was like, yeah. what you want to do is as quickly as you can eliminate the things that you don't want to do. Mm-hmm. I think that that's something that too many times we'll take it on the chin and we'll do stuff that we don't want to do because we have to. Yes. One of the things I will recommend always for young people do not get yourself in debt because you make yourself a slave to debt Mm -hmm. I have the ability my wife taught um, uh, elementary school yes right so she managed the benefits Mm. didn't I mean she didn't make enough to pay for the gas to drive back too right right but she covered the benefits for the family and that gave me the flexibility to try different things and when, when I get done when they pat my face with the shovel that last time, mm-hmm. right? I'm done on the planet. I don't want to ever look back and say, I wish I had tried. Yes. Right? I, yes. Want, to, I want to stick it out there. I mean, you know, my, one of my favorite quotes is, the path is made by walking. Ah. Right? And so you'll never know what it is. You can talk about it. You can read about it. But you don't know how to experience life until you walk down the path. And you will make the path by trying things. Mm. Right? Path is made by walking. Path is made by walking. And, and Peter's one of my favorite dudes in the Bible. Yeah. And my wife 
hates that I bring that up, but yeah. she's like, you don't ever mind hopping out of the boat. Meaning, give me more. Peter, Peter was yeah. during the storm. Yeah, okay. Jesus said, come on out, yes. right? Yeah. And Peter just hopped out of the boat, boat, right? Mm-hmm. And, and, and I don't mind hopping out of the boat because I know that, you know, through faith. You don't need to know where you're going. That I got it figured out. I mean, yeah. it, will, it will figure its way out. Yeah. But, but I've seen too many people spend their life doing something just in silent pain because they got in debt early. They might get married, have a kid, they right. got a mortgage. They're right. doing something that they just freaking and now you, hate. And, now you gotta, and they just got to do it because they're obligated to do it. If you keep yourself free of debt, and I know it, it yeah. sucks driving a hoopty, man. I mean, yeah. you drive a piece of junk, sometimes you just got to do you gotta, it. You have to do it. But right. you either do that now, you pay now or pay later. But I've seen so many people locked into careers and, and, and have to deal with corporate structures and environments that they, that they don't like. Right, because they're in bondage and a slave to for, debt. forever, basically right. for in perpetuity. Yeah. Right. Do so you, you can you, get free of it. What I want to know from your perspective, chicken or the egg. Right. Do you feel like you somewhere along the line always had the faith that when you jumped out of the boat, it was going to be okay? Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Right. yeah, so, yeah, you, yeah. so you. So yeah. for you, yeah. it was always mindset. You did it once, maybe with right. the stakes were small. Right. It works out for you, and you're like, man, things just kind of generally work out, and then you keep. Well, they, I mean, yeah. just in general. Well, they, well, if with the determination, one of the things is growing up. My dad was a Southern Baptist preacher. Okay. No, they're not, but okay. that that kind of yeah. helps yeah, frame yeah, up a does, lot of stuff. Does, that makes a lot of sense. <laughs> but because uh, I went to Catholic school, right. and I did not know about Peter jumping out of the boat, and I was like, I'm about to get a phone call right. from my dad. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's okay. We all learned it different, yeah, different times, buddy. I promise you. It all worked out. Well, growing up as a Southern Baptist kid, we we never talked about sex, religion, or yes. politics. Right? Yes. I didn't even know what a Republican was until after I got out of the military. No right. joke. I didn't yeah. know Democrat, Republican. We didn't have money or sex in our house because because yeah. a child couldn't talk about it in the community. Right. So you didn't talk about that in the house. Right. Kind of crazy. So you know about Peter. I know about you know all that other crazy stuff, but. Um, I had that faith. I, I mean, I grew up with faith, knowing that things were going to work out. But one of the things Dad always told me as a kid growing up, he said, "You're the most persistent person mm-hmm. I've ever met." I mean, it's six, and mm-hmm. I, I swear to you, I thought persistent was a cuss word that he was just using out loud mm-hmm. because the way that he used he it, it was, I was so persistent. Yeah. I was so persistent, <laughs> and it just built that into me. And when I finally got old enough to understand what persistent was, it's not always a bad thing. Right. 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 So, in fact, in your business. But, uh, yeah, yeah, and the faith an is I have committed to that if I put something on the wall, if we pick out a goal that's mm-hmm. worthy of doing, we're going to do it. We're going to do it. Yeah. Anything that I've ever put on the vision board has mm-hmm. come to pass except for a 5K. But um, <laughs> I know this is just like my anchor, right? <laughs> I'm just not going to run a damn 5K ever. And everybody's like, says a you 5K. Could, you, could have like, a, you could have a GMA 5K. I understand that, but. but if, you, if you do it, I'll run it with you. But I, I peeled that off my dream board, but <laughs> everything else we put on the dream board has come to pass because I, if I've committed to it, I know that there will be a way. Right. But, I, but you've also got to look at it as not only how it impacts you, but how it impacts others. How this is going, how yeah. this is going to play. And that's where I'm at in my career right now is GMA, we've had some huge success. Right, and we've and yeah, dude. I could sit here for days and tell you about the connections and the mm-hmm. relationships. I mean, several people have come to me over the years, like a bunch of people, that said we wouldn't be in business today had it not been for the work that we got through GMA. Mm-hmm. I gotta think that that fills your bucket much more than any bank. That it's is a bit more to check. 
any, yeah. any more than any check does yeah. in your bank. It is it's so cool to be able to see that it's yeah. making a difference. And where, where I'm at kind of now in my life and career is how can I have a, a longer lasting and deeper impact? Mm. And so this mastermind, yeah. Manufacturing Mastermind, go check it out, yeah. manufacturingmastermind.com. And it's a, a by invitation only uh, group, uh, networking group for executives in the manufacturing space. Mm -hmm. And it is, you know, very similar to other like CEO roundtable yes. type deals. Networking stuff, um, yeah. And, but it's just for manufacturers. Right. Well, it's not networking. It's right. really diving into deep dives on business issues that right. I've got. And it, and it helps people build. And the people Peers. that's a good fit for are people that are, you know, executives of successful manufacturing companies mm -hmm. that want to grow personally and professionally. They want to learn from others and also they're willing to share their best practices yeah. and, and keep other people in support and try to give first. And, and now it just, you know, there's nailing down that type of personality. There's a lot of other things that come with it that are yeah. just, dude, it is just so cool. Yeah. I've been doing it for a little over a year now. And the results that we have been getting have been just off the chart. I, because these executives, they don't have any other place to go to go right. have a sounding board because either their board's going to hear about it or their boss or their employees because you can't take negative down. Mm -hmm. And you you're supposed to know the answer before you go up, right? right. So this gives them, it's kind of a, it's a loose board. It's, it's a forum. It's, right. a, it's a real safe forum. I think what's really interesting about what you just said for someone new, emerging leader, someone new to the workforce mm -hmm. is um, how regular the people that run companies are. Mm -hmm. Because I think if you had told me your business pitch right there, mm -hmm. manufacturing masterminds, the people that want to give first and take later, I'd be like, right. who is signing up for that? That right. has to pay these bills and mm -hmm. employ these folks. I, and I, just sitting here, I could think of 10. Right. Really quickly, just good mm -hmm. people that would love to do it, right? So it's like, just changes your perspective on like, hey, yeah. you know, what is capable? Right. When you look at those people that you want to be like, yeah. people that run, mm -hmm. you know? Because I think for people with your personality type, and I think I probably have a similar personality type to you, which is like you want to. I'm on. I'm unemployable right. too. Right. I need yeah, to like. Yeah, yeah. I need to be on planes, running <laughs> things. You know. You get too much in your blood. Yeah. Too, right? with, like, <laughs> with tons of responsibility, but you can really be a good person right. and do that as well. Yeah. And, I th and I think they they generally want to help others. Right. And I think that's um, something that is also missed along yeah. the educational path, if you will. So that's really cool. I hope. So this is brand new for you, right? It's yeah, you've launched it about a year ago. Yeah, about ago. a year ago. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So I, between that and my, um, I've got a passion for, for public speaking. So mm -hmm. I'm, I'm working on a key, uh, keynote career kind of thing. Love in addition it. to okay, I love. I mean, you know, you put put a mic in my hand, put me on stage, but yeah. that is my happy place. Yes, I love it. And um, and so I've had a couple opportunities. I'm gonna be speaking at a, um, the Best Practices Expo in about two weeks here in Atlanta. Okay. And got about seven or eight hundred people signed up for that. So I'm going awesome. to keynote that for awesome. lunch on the 5th. And so I'm really stoked yeah. about that. And there's a lot of other little bits and pieces that are coming along with that. So. I'm going to have to pick your brand and how you prep for a keynote like that. That'd be interesting. Yes. Because there's... Another, probably a whole other podcast, yeah, right? Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's a lot of work in that. But it's but it's, it's really worth it. Um, probably one of the most valuable lessons that I've learned and I know this podcast is going everywhere but if you happen no, to be in Atlanta pretty awesome. yeah. but if you happen to be in Atlanta the one of the one of the most beneficial things I've ever done in my uh, personal development mm. uh, before I turned 50 I said okay guys give me a help me help me fill out a bucket list that we can do from 49 to 50 what do you think I need yeah. to do and I had two people from completely different op, uh, opposite ends of my world 
yeah. both recommend the Jeff Justice Comedy yeah. uh, workshop. And it's a six-week workshop that yeah. Jeff Justice does. He's trained tons of people that you've seen on TV, yeah. comedians and stuff. So he teaches you stand-up comedy. Awesome. And it was like, I was... So, so, been so in, in much a, fun. In the back of my brain, I'm like, I'm pretty cocky. Yeah. I'm like, I'm, I'm pretty good on stage. <laughs> I can remember stuff, right? And so I went through this thing and we did all this prep and learned all the different types of, you know, comedy. Oh. And, and uh, the Saturday before the event, now we had our, we had our event at a sold out punch, at the punchline in downtown Atlanta. Wow. Completely sold out room, right? So I sold, because the guy said, he said, how we do this is you get a certain allocation of tickets and, yeah. you know, you got... 15 people in the class yeah. and how many do you want? And I'm like, well, how many can I have? This is what I do. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Right? I, I draw a crowd. You know, I, I figured that out. So I committed 30 tickets and I got filled out 30 tickets like just oh. instantly. And it's, it only seats 200. Right? Yeah. And, um, and I had already committed it by friends and family. Everybody was there. And the Saturday before, I just lost my mind during the presentation. He was probably going to start off. He assumed that he would start off with me. But when we did dress rehearsal the Saturday before the show. Yeah. I, I just blew it. I he just bombed. brain dumped, and he was—he was—I mean, he was—he was, he was, he was yeah. visibly shocked that I had screwed up that bad. And he was like, "You ain't going to start." And so I spent the entire weekend fixing it. Mm. But I had never studied as hard for anything Fair like enough. in life than that. But I learned so much from that process wow. that stand up is is a different way to communicate. So if you yes. have the opportunity, yeah. Jeff, Jeff Justice, Justice comedy, and there's other. I'm sure there's other ones around the country that would be just yeah. as good. But but Jeff is is a phenomenal guy. Mm. But uh, but that but that yeah. attaches to some of the keynote the prep, right? And how and how you go about yeah. And I'm working with a guy named Waldo Waldman, unbelievable okay. speaker. He's a decorated fighter. He was flying the planes that I was loading bombs on. Oh wow. Storm, right. Okay. So we have a little well, different life experience, yeah. you know. <laughs> however that works. Just but super guy. Wow. And, and he's a he's a um, national hall of fame speaker with uh, national uh, national speakers association yeah. hall of fame speaker. He's like with Zig Ziglar. Oh wow! That love this guy's freaking awesome. I love Waldo, and, yeah. and he's kind of coached me through some of the stuff on prep. So oh, that's really cool. Yeah. Really cool, Jason. Uh, for our first podcast recorded out of Hotlanta here, nice. this has been awesome. Yeah. This has been awesome, and uh, thank you for coming on. I will admit. I usually do these rapid-fire questions mm -hmm. in the get-go, and you and I just started talking and right. got away from me. My favorite part was you answered most of them I asked. Favorite <laughs> oh, cool. book. I, I didn't ask what was your favorite drink. Uh, favorite drink, I've got to say 420 because, you know, Georgia's yeah. Georgia beer. Yeah. And we got lots. Of, I mean, I love Iron Shield. and um, You have so much good oh, beer down here. so much beer. Everywhere. It's wild. And I'm a huge, huge fan. That's so, a year beer. If guy. it's made in Georgia. That's what yeah. Right, yeah. It's a, as long as it says made in Georgia. Right. That's all right. <laughs> and, and what was your first ever job? My first ever job was um, outside paid job. I worked at CNT Auto Parts. Okay. And I sold auto parts, and I learned that I might have a little dyslexia. Mm -hmm. And when you're trying to read part numbers, oh, oh, baby, oh, baby, that's always fun. Did you get the job there because you wanted to be a mechanic? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, cool. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So that kind of yeah. that was the next you step. Are, I you were persistent and determined. You're like, I'm getting there, come hell or high water, and then pivot. Yeah. I think you're. This is why it's been a great podcast, in my estimation, because. We really want to document how people have pivoted through self-awareness. Yeah. I think you've done that. Yeah, I would have never job. guessed that I would write a book and do a you know that book tour, oh. all the bits and pieces. But you know, the Lord will open up ways as long as you have faith, mm -hmm. right? And just try to keep you know stay the path. Yeah, I mean, 
been in a good book a long time ago. I yeah. love it. Do the right things, you know, like you have them be done to you, right? Mm-hmm. So you figure that piece out, and it'll all work out, you know. And sometimes it's tough. I mean, sometimes you get your teeth kicked in, you can just got to pick yourself up and figure out what's best for you, where, where, how can you best serve somebody else. Right, well, I think in those moments, if you can look inward and learn, yeah. as opposed to brushing them off is where the real magic happens, yeah, yeah, yeah. right? They're lessons. So, yeah, no Jason, doubt. pleasure. Dude, this has been awesome. awesome. Thank you. Thank you so much yeah. for coming on, my man. Cool, buddy. Thank you. Thank you.